Let all God's people say amen. Amen. Just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here for us this morning and um, celebrating with us. This has been a very emotional couple of days. You know, it's one thing to send your daughter to Nashville and go to school and careers start to emerge and um, just three and a half hours away, jump in the Jeep and, you know, go over and have lunch together or she can come this way and help us out when singing with our team. By the way, give, give our amazing team a great hand. It's wonderful. Thank you, Ben. We're so blessed because we, we're getting a deeper and deeper players bench, and we had all of our vocals up here this morning. Uh, Erica's joined us, Becky, Aaron, Scott. Abby looked at Scott this morning. He said, I'm sorry, brother, this is going to be ladies' day on this platform. <laughs> uh, but just so grateful for all of them. It's been a little emotional the last couple of days knowing that, you know, it's not a three-and-a-half-hour drive, but it's a, about a three-hour plane ride. And uh, But I... I trust God's guidance. I believe in the leadership of a really phenomenal management team. Great, great, wonderful people. Um, and I trust Abby's heart. Is she in the room? It's probably better that she's not. Because I'm going to cry. I trust her heart and I know the hand of the Lord that is on her life. I know that before she was ever born and Drew was about five years old and we were wanting another baby and not having any success, we were visited here by a man and his wife that's very prophetic and stood in the children's ministry and prophesied over the leaders that would come through this children's ministry and he said, you know, it's not just these children, but I see something for you, Pastor. He said, I see you bouncing a baby girl on your knee. We're holding hands praying in the children's area of our ministry. And it's me and Stacy and his wife. And he said, I see a baby girl. And he said, she's going to be a great source of joy. And I began to weep because I knew the name that Dawn had picked, Abigail, means source of joy. And he said... Um, he said, she's going to be a great worshiper in the house of the Lord. And he said, but I see something even beyond that. He said, it's not just going to be on this platform. He said, but her music is going to touch nations. And uh, I'm standing here now, 22 years later, and seeing the emergence of that prophecy. Now, some of you don't understand that. You've been told your whole life that that's not legit. I love you. Talk to me, I'll help you out, okay? <laughs> you can tell me all you want to. That's not real. I've lived a whole life of that kind of stuff with the Lord speaking and the Lord giving word that confirms having men that I trust that I know that are prophetic and hear from the Lord. And I've seen it unfold in my own life. I've seen it unfold here. And the irony of that is is to stand here and then be three months into grieving my wife who took her life and uh, I couldn't have made it had it not been for having the absolutely most phenomenal pastoral team that any pastor ever on the planet has ever had. And that's Pastor Haley sitting here on the front row, our children's pastor, and Pastor Jeremy, our youth pastor. Would you give them a hand, please? <laughs> Jeremy's lovely wife, Heather, my administrative assistant, they have great news. They're expecting their fourth, and I'll let them tell you what that's going to be. <laughs> Um, it's been, uh, if it hadn't been for the grace of God and for the prayers and the saints of this church, you have been indescribably kind to me. And for the kindness of people in the community, I've, uh, I've been overwhelmed at people who've reached out and just said, man, I, I love you, I'm praying for you. Um, my pastor of 30 years, Pastor Ray McCollum, will be here with us next Sunday. After that, we're starting a new series. It'll be shared. There'll be three of us. I'll do one. Haley will do one. Jeremy will do one. And then I'll be back full-time 
beginning March for the rest of the, through the summer, or through, through the end of May anyway. Um, although I may be out of Sunday or two in April because I, I, may, I may go to Europe with Abby who's been invited to do a tour and I'll tell you about that another time. So um, anyway, lots of, lots of tremendous things have been going on. Um, presence of God is way, way, way at the top of the list. And before I ever list anything else, it's a huge, it's a mile between that and what I would say to follow. Presence of God has carried me. The Lord has been sweet to me in ways that I've never before experienced in my life. And I'll just be honest, I've said it this way. I said, God, you know, I'm down, but I'm not, I'm not out. I'm, I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. Second Corinthians, through Apostle Paul said, and I said, while I'm down, while you've got me down, I want you to work me over because I don't know that I can experience any more pain than I'm already experiencing. I want you to dig the well of Christ in me so deep beyond what I could have ever dreamed. And I want to tell you that I believe that that is happening. And I'm, I'm not going to say that, boom, it happened. I'm, 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 it's happening every day in, a, in the working of the Spirit of God. Because I've had a couple of weeks where I've really thought, hey, I'm getting on top of this. And then it kicked me in the gut again at the three-month mark. And um, <clears throat> so I, 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 I don't, we don't intentionally set out. I, I had visions of really preaching with victory this morning, but it's really kind of turned out to be one of those vulnerable messages, kind of raw. We started this series in the first of the day of the year. And... Um, the first message was the way out is through. I'm going to talk to you this morning more than I'm going to preach. So I just, that's the only way I know how to do this today because I'm feeling something way down so very deep. And I believe that if you'll open your heart and connect with me and let's connect with the Spirit of the Lord, that you'll walk out of here changed and be a different person today. Can anybody have faith for that this morning? Amen. Stay seated. Let's go ahead and read. I, I skipped it the first message, but I'm, I'm going to. I asked Abby, I said, how was it the first service? She said, get to your message quicker. You've got too much stuff in the front. <laughs> if you don't know Abby, she'll tell you what she thinks. So sometimes it isn't what you want to hear. So I said, okay, okay, here we go. Follow through. Message, the first one was the way out is through. Um, today, I'm going to pick up with the end of this series on through called follow through. Everybody look at your neighbor and say follow through. You know, it's one thing to say you're going to do something. It's something else to stay committed. It's something else to... How many of you know it's easy to say I do? And it's fun to say I did. And it's something entirely different to say, you know what, I'm still here. And to follow through. Um, so the message this morning is follow through. And I'll, I'll summarize in just a moment. Let's look at Isaiah um, I want you to read out loud these verses with me. So follow me and let's read out loud together. Here we go. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says. Now remember, Jacob and Israel are the same dude. Okay. Jacob is the father of the, the 12 sons who will become the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's name is changed in Genesis 32. Okay. So Jacob and Israel are the same dude. He says, read with me, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. That's one of the lines of the song that Abby sang this morning. You walk with me through the fire. Sometimes the fire gets so hot, you, you think you, you, you got a little tinge going on, you know. Um, and there have been times in the last three months where I have been gurgling in waters that I think could have drowned me. And I just keep saying, I choose joy. I looked in the mirror the other morning as I was brushing my teeth, and I just said, this, this is not real. So can. And I don't know where I am in the five stages of grief or the five, seven phases or all that stuff that 
people want to identify. And I feel like I'm in, in one and out and in and out of all of them back and forth because I have angry moments and I have moments of denial and I have moments of, of bartering and going, okay, why didn't I do this? And, you know, just, just wrestling down all the thoughts. And um, I, in those moments, God, I believe, is doing a deep work in my heart. And I'm thankful for the presence of God and what He's been to me because in those moments I've had times when I thought that I was taken in water and I was about to drown. The series that I've been trying to bring is just a, a message that's just where I am. I, I, I can go to a lexicon and I can pull teaching. I've been doing this for over 30 years. I've got literally filing cabinets filled of messages back there that I could go and pull out something and it would be good. But it wouldn't be great or right because it's not where I am. And I believe we have to be a real people. We have to be able to minister from where we are. And I believe when we're willing to be able to, to open the door or pull open the blinds of the windows and shine the light in, and be able to let people know the reality of sometimes what it means to walk with the Lord and fully put our trust and our faith in His ability to carry me through something. I, I'm at my series summary now for those of you that are, that are in the booth or helping me. So um, forgive me for being a little scattered. This won't be the most perfectly homiletically designed message, but it's real. It's from my heart, and I believe the Spirit of the Lord will use it. And that's the prayer that I pray today, Father. I need you. I, I'm desperate for you. Let me speak today words that are strengthening and comforting, challenging, correcting, convicting, Lord, that are the communication of faith that will change the hearts and lives of your wonderful people. It's in Jesus' name that I pray and all of God's people said, amen. We are greater sinners than we ever believed, but we have a greater love from the Father than we could ever know. And the awareness of that is what's called the gospel. And the gospel is not just about a home in heaven when I die. But the gospel is about something that carries me in the middle of what I'm struggling and facing right now. The sweet by and by was going to take care of itself. It's the nasty, nitty-gritty now and now that I'm dealing with that I need some hope. I need some peace. I need some faith. I need faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God to rise up on the inside of me, way down from my toes where it begins to bring encouragement and strength and faith into my heart and life. Come on, somebody. Are you with me this morning? The way out is through. The first message I was showing that this idea that we have in American culture, American Christian culture, that God won't put any more on you than you can bear is not biblical. It's, it's, a, it's a myth. It's a Christian myth. Because if God never put any more on than you could bear, then you would never need God. You could always do it all in your own strength. You wouldn't need a savior. You wouldn't need a protector. You wouldn't call on a provider. You wouldn't need someone who would give you guidance and would give you counsel and bring conviction and challenge and correction and courage in the face of fear. Come on, somebody. Help me a little bit in this place this morning. It's when I realize that I can't do it by myself that I call on Him and I have the unlimited resources of heaven available to me. The Beatitudes begin with Jesus saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When I can have everything that the world affords, but yet I recognize that apart from Him, all of this is nothing. When I can know that apart from Him, I am, I'm impoverished, I'm bankrupt, I have nothing. And then I can say, God, I need the all, I need Thee. Help me, somebody. Every hour I need Thee. Anybody in the house looking for a blessing, sing it with me right now. Bless me now, oh Savior. Come on. I come to Thee. How many of you need Him this morning? Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. It's in that moment of recognition. In the second message, we preached on breakthrough when Jacob's name was changed to Israel and he said, I will not let go of you. The angel wrestled, the angel of the Lord wrestled with him. He said, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. 
And his name was changed from trickster, schemer, supplanter, heel catcher to prince and prevailer with God. Pastor Haley followed the next week and she came in and showed us that there are times that we don't have the strength to battle to a breakthrough. We have to have some brothers come alongside and pick up the mat that we're on and carry us through to the one who can show us through. And she did an amazing job showing us how sometimes we have to be willing to be vulnerable and lean in to the strength of others who will get us to the one who can help us. They will carry us in their prayers. And let me just say right now that I know that the last three months that I've been carried on the shoulders of your intercession. I know that I've been lifted up on the wings of your prayers that have gone before the throne of God. That has carried me through. And I'm grateful. Last week, Pastor Jeremy did see through talking about how God will see you through what you're facing when you're willing to become see-through, where you can get transparent, where you can get clear and let not only the Lord see, but be willing to share with someone else the work of God and the struggle that you face. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, we've got to be real around here. And so this morning we're looking today at follow-through. And I just have a couple of thoughts that I want to bring to you today. First one is about the school of the wilderness. We'll wrap up in just a few moments with the school of suffering. Those concepts don't fill up stadiums. People don't jump and get excited to go, oh, I can't wait to go here. Someone teach me about how great it is to suffer or what it is like to go through the wilderness. Sometimes we have, I believe, a little bit of a candy-coated impression of Christianity in America. I don't necessarily think that the brothers who uh, are all the time uh, laid at their feet the responsibility for presenting this are necessarily intending to do it that way, but sometimes I think in an attempt to try to be positive. How many of you know there's nothing wrong with being positive? In an attempt to try to be faith-filled and bring courage and to be encouraging. How many of you know there's nothing wrong with being faith-filled and encouraging people? But I think sometimes if we don't watch it and we don't help people recognize that when you're on top of the world and you're, you have no debts and, and your wife looks at you and thinks she's married to Captain America. Some of you go, that's a dream already. <laughs> um, or, or, or you think you're married to whoever and you just fill in the blank because we've got four generations sitting in here. So, you know, whoever you think she should be and whoever you think he should be in terms of the, the big picture of manhood and leadership and, and beauty and femininity and all of those things. And, and you're just, everything's right. I mean, you, you, your kids obey you. Now, that's a dream in itself, isn't it? <laughs> kids obey you. The, the business is prospering. Your job is going well. Kids are making great grades. They're just, they're, how many of you know, first of all, that just almost sounds like a ridiculous fantasy anyway because nobody has all of that happening at the same time. But... Uh, what my point by doing it, and I'm pressing it to, to an extreme, is to say when you're at that point, you don't need any faith. It doesn't take faith to live like that. This, you know, you're on top of the world. You know, you, you got a three-car garage and a boat and a third one and, and everything's paid for and the business is going great. There's no faith for that. How many of you know it's when things aren't what they ought to be that you have to decide where you're going to put your trust? And it's, it's when everything doesn't line up the way you've dreamed and hoped that it would be. Uh, and, and just the fact of the reality is that life usually isn't this kind of bed of roses. And you know what, if you, if you, if you do want to call it that, at least acknowledge that there are a whole lot of thorns going down every stem before you reach that pinnacle of beauty. And, and there's some things that can draw blood. There's some things that can, can maul you, that can, that can bring great wound and great difficulty and a lot of emotional baggage and hurts and wounds. And sometimes we, I don't think we're real enough. And so in an attempt to try to just rip the, the, the belt off the buckle of the Bible belt here in the South and stop the religiosity and all of the, just the nonsense, all the Christianese, you know, and just slap, just slap be real. And just say, God, you know, how much we need you and without the Lord. I just want to say without the grace of God, without Jesus, without you, I couldn't have made it the last three months. And, and, and to be able to get up and to just be honest and cry when I, when I can't help it. I try not to. Um, but but to, to be able to just say, look, this, let's have some authenticity. Let's be genuine. 
uh, and to in those moments to decide that I'm going to follow through the message title today. It's I'm going to stay committed. I, I, in these three months, there have been a couple of times when I could just say, God, let me die. I just I want to check out. I can't take this pain. And there's something in me that would rise up and go, no, if anybody has to follow through, you have to now for your son and for your daughter and for the people of this church and for the community. And the, the, the gossip and the whispering and the things that happen and that I hear about and people don't know that I hear about it. Thank God I'm not talking about my church. I'm not talking about you. Know, I'll tell you the story in a minute what I'm talking about. Just going through this wilderness has brought me to a place of recognizing how much I need the Lord. And that's why it's referred to as a great and terrible wilderness. Exodus gives us the picture of them delivered out of Egypt by the blood, the water, and spirit. It's by miraculous occurrence that God literally destroys Pharaoh and his hosts and his chariots. Miriam picks up the tambourine and dances and they begin to shout because now those that were on their heels trying to kill them are lying dead on the shore, drowned in the very thing that they thought they weren't going to be able to cross. What am I saying? If you can trust God enough to keep walking through what you think is going to kill you, if you'll keep your faith in the Lord, it'll end up killing your enemy. It'll destroy the devil. It'll destroy what's trying to oppose and attack you. Now I realize I'm not talking about people here because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. School of the Wilderness, Deuteronomy opens up. It's the second time God has given the law to a generation that basically has been born through the wilderness. Exodus says, where I'm going to take you, this is what you're going through. Deuteronomy says, this is where you've been. Now we're going to get ready to go in the promised land. Deuteronomy is... After having marched through the wilderness for 38 years, they come up to the edge of the Jordan and they camp for two while Moses equips. He takes them to a every Saturday morning leadership class, except it's not just Saturday morning, it's every day. Training a generation that wasn't born in Egypt, but it was born in the wilderness. Seeing miracles happen every day. Get ready because I'm going to take you into a promised land, a land that was promised to your fathers, but they've all died in unbelief. Now you're a new generation, I'm going to take you in. Because the tenses of redemption are out of, through, and into. Out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and into the land. God brought us out of sin from the bondage of Satan, of which Pharaoh is a type. He's carrying us through the school of the wilderness where we're being changed, transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we finally will walk into the promise of the inheritance that God has for us. Fully, ultimately, when we see Him face to face. We were justified at one point by grace through faith. That is a one-time legal declaration. We are sanctified as a process our whole lives, every day. God is sanctifying. He's making and building the image of Christ in my heart. And then finally, in one point, when I see Him, I will be like Him, for I'll see Him as He is, 1 John 3, 2. Okay? So we are justified, we are being sanctified, and we shall be glorified. Say amen. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we shall be saved. My spirit is saved, my soul is being transformed, my mind, my will, my emotions, and my body, thank God, shall be saved. If I don't beat it before I see him, in a moment I'll come down to a size 32 waist in the kingdom of God. <laughs> I'm just kidding, okay? Tried to get your attention, wake you up. All right, School of the Wilderness, look at Deuteronomy, please. Deuteronomy, just silently, don't read out loud, silently read with me. Be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Then you will live and multiply, and you will enter and occupy. I like how that rhymes. Everybody say, live and multiply. Enter and occupy. The land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Verse 2, read with me. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey His commands. Verse 3, read, Yes, He humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by what? By bread alone. Rather, we live by what? Every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Stop right there. Let me just say this. You never appreciate how good food tastes until you've had a moment when you think you're not going to get any more. 
Chances are, in a crowd this size, some of you have had financial difficulty bad enough that there was nothing to eat and you didn't know where your next meal was coming from. I've been very blessed, and the times when I thought I was going to starve have been either on a fast that I said I was going to fast and pray and seek the Lord and fast three days, and, and usually by the second meal of the first day, the meal time of the first day, I'm already about to lose my mind and because um, I think i got to have something to eat. You know, have you ever been, let me just ask this, let's, let's get real. Have you ever just kind of felt like food just didn't taste good, nothing had any flavor to it? Hey, any of you, come on, tell the truth. Uh, you know, all you need is just to go, about, go without for about three meals, and man, you'll have a revival in your taste buds. <laughs> just, just fast for a day, just drink nothing but water, and it's amazing. My, my, praise God, hallelujah. And you're just like, man, this tastes so good. <laughs> What did he say here? I let you go hungry and then I fed you with miraculous food nobody's ever seen before in history. Don't miss this. God takes us through the wilderness in order to reveal our needs so he can show up and be the provision. God lets us experience isolation so we can have the joy of fellowship. I, I have tasted of of the pain of loneliness so then I could enjoy the intimacy uh, of koinonia, of communion, of fellowship with a, with a brother, a sister in Christ that's prayed for me. I called Scott last night about 8 o'clock because Abby and I have had a couple of painful moments uh, the last two or three days just talking about this step and her opening the next chapter of her life and really excited for her and these opportunities that are opening up. And... Um, she said, Dad, and she cried. She said, I'm just, I really, I don't want to leave you because I'm really concerned about you. And I said, baby, I promise you, I'm going to be fine. First of all, the presence of God is carrying me. And then I got these two puppy dogs. <laughs> I have Copper, and now I have Odie, who I get, when I get angry, I call him Otis. <laughs> and let me just tell you, all his systems work just fine. So... Um, I've, I've, I've come close to losing sanctification in a couple of moments, trying to get dressed and pull my pants on and then step in something I didn't realize was there. And I'll let you put that whole image away from your mind. But yeah, it happened. Uh, and that's when I really, you find out who you are. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just so thankful for all the love of this puppy. And I've dreamed all of my life to have a Yamaha C7 grand piano. And... Um, I got one this week. And so that's in my house. I'll have the presence of God, which is primary, <laughs> love of my puppy dogs. And I was a minister of worship in North Carolina for years and wrote songs regularly, prophetic music that went along with what the pastor was preaching. And uh, just to kind of underline the truth that was being shared. And came here and planted this church and invested my life and my children and really in the music into Abby. And I feel like this is kind of like my turn again. And I know that worship does something so very deep for me. When I am in pain that is indescribable, I can sit at a keyboard and I can form chords and I can cry tears down my cheek and God will do something way down in the depths of my soul that I can't describe. And so I believe that God is going to birth songs of Zion out of my heart. That's my own faith declaration over my life at this time. In the middle of this pain, that something of joy and strength would come that can bless others. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. I would not know. You, you never know the blessedness of the sunshine we've been enjoying had we not endured 40 days and 40 nights of rain around here. We, everybody's going, where's the ark? Okay. <laughs> Now, I, I'm, I'm evangelistically using the, you know, 40-day thing. It's rained several days. And have, to have the sunshine is a blessing. It's a help. Um, but, you know, if all you ever have is sun, is you're going to burn up everything you got. It's not going to live. You've got to have some cloudy days. You've got to you have some rainy days, uh, even a little bit of snow. Uh, and, and there are seasons to our lives. There are seasons as we walk with God where things are dry and then He brings a fresh breeze and a spring rain and all of a sudden everything begins to bud open and here comes the, the flowers and the birds are singing again. And, and we, we go through seasons like that in our spiritual lives. And he, the, Moses is telling them, look, I let you, the Lord says, I let you go hungry so I could feed you with miracle food. Because if you didn't have a little bit of hunger, you would have never appreciated how great that manna tasted. You know, manna doesn't mean bread. Manna in Hebrew means, is a question that says, what is it? 
when they picked up manna, they were pick, every time they picked it up, they would go, go out there in the yard, honey, and get me a, an omer of what is it. We always think manna means bread. It doesn't mean bread. Manna is a Hebrew question that says, what is it? It's a miracle. And guess what? When, when you get hungry enough and you call on God in faith and He rains down some miraculous what is it in your life, you have a better ability to be able to taste and appreciate it. Put your hands together and give God some praise this morning. We don't live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 4, for all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out. I got my, my, my best dry cleaner in the country sitting right here, Mr. Wheelis. He, man, you know, just does a great job, but my clothes wear out. You know, just use. Your feet didn't, didn't blister or swell. After I stand up here two, two sermons this morning, do this twice, I have to go home and prop them up. I mean, can you imagine going 40 years and your clothes not wearing out and your shoes not needing new soles and your feet not blistering? You're talking about a walk that's miraculous. That's why he calls the, 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 the wilderness great and terrible. It's terrible because it reveals my need, but it's great because God shows up and meets it. Are you hearing that? The circumstance you face right now, there's a great part to it and there's a terrifying, terrible part to it. It's when we can acknowledge how much we need the Lord that the great stuff starts showing up. Next verse. All right, jump with me to, what is it, verse 15 in that chapter. Do not forget that He led you through the great, here it is, great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry, He gave you water from the rock. They walked around for a few days with no decent water to drink until God spoke to Moses and said, Take that tree right there. Everybody say the cross. Take the tree, put it into the water of Meribah, which is the water of bitterness. And when he put the tree into the water, it became sweet. You know what? All the bitter water of your life will never be sweet until you meet the cross of Christ head on in your life. And it will change the drink of your life. Come on, somebody. That's the beauty of what's happening. The wilderness reveals that. So he gave you water from the rock. Next verse. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. Verse 17, He did all of this so you would never say to yourself, look at this, what God's doing in your life right now in the wilderness, He did it so you will never look at yourself in the mirror and say, read it with me, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. I did it my way. Nobody's ever going to get into the pearly gates of heaven singing that song. We have to lay down my way, our way, and say, God, I will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and all the other stuff you will take care of and add to me when I can say, God, I'm all in. Like Pastor Jeremy preached last Sunday, come on, push all your poker chips in. And so, God, I'm all yours. I lay my whole life on the altar. Everything I have, everything I've got, everything I am, everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. Get all in. Look at your neighbor and say, get all in. And know that you don't do this in your own strength and your energy. The wilderness is training time for raining time. Everybody say, training for raining. Second point this morning, the school of suffering. I, uh, I want to say that I love Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. It is an amazingly encouraging passage of Scripture which tells you how ordinary people did extraordinary things by faith in God. Abram, Sarah, childless, by faith, received strength to conceive, and Isaac is born. Abraham, with a name change, Sarah, with a name change, get up and they obey God, not going where they're going, not knowing where they're going, and they head off for a city whose builder and maker is God, by faith. And by faith, Isaac, and by faith, Jacob, and by faith, Joseph, and by faith, Moses, and by faith, Samson, and by faith, over and over and over in this amazing chapter, we hear little snippets, little vignettes, amazing testimonies of how God showed up and delivered people and did crazy things for the sake of them because they chose to trust God. 
They chose to put their faith in God before reason and all of the doubt that stirred their hearts and minds. The Bible says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I believe in faith. I, I thank God for faith. I thank for triumph, for victory. Uh, that's part of what this church is about. We're, we're, we're supposed to be victors and not victims. Let that sink in. The, the, the life of God walking with the Lord, the Bible says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's not all like we expect it. It's not all like we want it. But it's ultimately certain because it's, it's based on the surety of Christ and His promise. But even He Himself, I want you to see this this morning as I bring this message to a close, and that is in all of those heroes and sheroes of the faith who accomplished great things, who were delivered from the fire and shut the mouths of lions, Daniel and the four, three Hebrew children and the fourth man walking in the fire with them, were delivered from the sword. There's a group that you rarely hear anybody preach about and that's those who dwelt in caves and those who were sawn in two and those who laid down their lives becoming martyrs, trusting God for a greater resurrection yet to come. And it almost kind of makes you slow down a little bit and go, wait a minute, these people believe too, but it didn't quite happen the way they thought it was going to. There was some disappointment. There was some hardship. There was something that they went through and it didn't net what they thought it was going to net. Out of all of these amazing names of heroes and sheroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith, there is one name that is conspicuously missing from that great litany, that list of people who have gone before us. You have to close Hebrews 11, which by the way the last verse says, these all having died in faith, not receiving the promise, for God had provided some better thing yet for us. And you open up to Hebrews chapter 12, and this is where we are as I bring you this second and last point of my message this morning. Hebrews chapter 12 is about the school of suffering. And this is something that nobody signs up for for a nine-week course because we, we really don't want to hear about it. We don't like it. We want to do everything we can to avoid it. We want to take a pill. We want to get some counseling. We want to avoid. We want to get out of it. And there are just some things that life is going to take you through that you can't avoid. No matter how much you would like to go ahead and get your diploma, you're going to have to at least be exposed to the 13 years of educational training, whether it be homeschool or Christian school or public school or whatever you do. You're going, if you're going to have something that certifies that you've at least been exposed to this stuff, you're going to have to go through some grades. One, then two, then three, then four, and there's a progression. You go through school. You don't just zap and go out. Look at this, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Look at your neighbor and say, we're under observation. First of all, everybody is watching. I have never felt so scrutinized in my whole life. And I've, I grew up in this community. I graduated West Memphis High School in 1979. It was away 10 years. Said I was never coming back. And God laughed and said, oh, yes, you are. And since this has happened, October 19th, and Dawn took her life, I've never felt so eyes all over me and people trying to see, you know, what I'm doing and how I'm handling it and what's going on. And, um, I told this in the first service, and I really wrestled whether I would tell it in this one or not. I was in McDonald's a couple of days, a couple of different days this last week, and one morning there were just some old men in the community. You know, the whole the table of wisdom, you know, all the old guys. I'm standing at the counter, beautiful young black girl, big, huge, brilliant, toothy smile, says, hi, how are you? Can I help you? And I just want to smile. I go, yes, yes, yeah. Whatever you got, great smile, yeah. <laughs> so I get my bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit and my coffee and... I hear them whispering over there, that's the preacher from the mall. And they're old men who can't halfway hear, so they think they're being quiet. 
hold on because you won't laugh at this next part. And one of them said, I think his wife killed herself. And I thought I was going to hyperventilate. Because I'm standing there and the smile on the little waitress's face said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I just kind of had a moment. I just got to breathe. And uh, just knowing that that happens, because people are just people. And just knowing that, that people are saying, you know, man, what, did she, what was so bad that she had to check out a life? Because people have no idea how amazing and how much love we had. And I don't feel like I owe that to anybody. I don't have to defend anything. But I want you to hear this. Look at this. We're surrounded by a crowd of, a crowd of witnesses and Dawn's in that crowd now. Don't anybody go out of here and say what I'm not saying. Just listen to what I'm about to say. I have come to a greater understanding. Listen to me. Listen to me. I've come to a greater understanding of my Catholic brothers and my Episcopalian brothers who we've always as Protestants made fun of and said, why do you pray to the saints? And one of my good friends, Michael Pauls, who truly was a born-again Episcopal Anglican priest, he said, you know, Michael, we're not praying to them. He said, we just don't believe there's any separation just because they have died in Christ. He said, we see no difference in asking them to pray for us than, you, than if I lean over to you and go, please pray for me this week. I'm going to the doctor for some tests. And so that's the reason they speak to the saints and say, pray for me. And I want to tell you, I said, you know what? I don't think I can ever get up in my Protestant pulpit and preach that with assurance, but I think I understand more now. You know, if we would just sit down and shut up in the middle of all this disgusting, outrageous political rhetoric and listen to people. I'm off my message now and chasing a rabbit, but I'm going to tell you, we need to hear this. I, I can't even turn on any of the news networks because it makes me sick. Because no matter what anybody does, whether it was the one that just went out or the one that's coming in, somebody is slinging as much mud as they possibly can. It's outrageous. We've lost whatever respect that we have for the office and we're just trying to crucify. And feel that, feel that, feel the confusion and feel the, the vitriolic hatred from this group that hates that group. And look at this scripture here. He says, we're, we're being observed. And I want you to know I've walked in my backyard and I've raised my, my face toward heaven and I've said, Dawn, pray for me. I, this, I know you thought you were helping us. She, she thought that there was this mass conspiracy, wrestle with paranoia, battling mental issues, just extreme, and that, that people were trying to take the church away from us and were going to destroy us and put her in jail and make us bankrupt. It was just every day I was going, baby, this is not real. And we would pray. I know the battle that we've been through. And we would pray, and it would seem like things would kind of lift. And I have, she thought she was saving us. She did it as an act of sacrifice. Thought she was saving me and my kids. And I've shook my fist at heaven and said, baby, I forgive you. I love you. But you didn't make it better. You made it worse. And I said, you're in a better place than I am now. Now pray for me. I'm not looking for any strength from Dawn. I'm just saying, you've been connected to me at a soul level that nobody ever else has. Pray for me. You're in the presence of God. Jesus, if you ever live to make intercession, pray for me. I don't have the strength to do this. Look at this. We're under observation. Everybody's watching us. Everybody's looking. They're, they're examining. They're, they're, in, they're, they're inspecting to see is there fruit. And in the middle of this, because of all this huge crowd of witnesses to your life of faith, uh, the writer says, strip off every weight that slows you down, especially the sin that so easily trips you up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Everybody say, follow through. Look at the next two verses, and I'm going to wrap this up. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He started it. He's the author and the perfecter. He begins it. He ends it. He's the alpha. He's the omega. 
the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. Can you imagine? Look at this. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Hold it right there. Don't move yet on the screen. Jesus hung on the cross. And if anybody ever had a justifiable right to be angry and offended with God the Father, it was Jesus the Son. Because he carried your mess that he never had anything to do with. He died for my sin that he never committed. He endured the whispering and the gossiping and the slander and the lies of all the people sitting at tables all over Israel and around Jerusalem and in three different courts, mock courts. He was accused of things he never did. He, he, was, he was despised and rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And thank God I have come to know him in a way that I have never known the man of sorrows and the one who is acquainted with my grief like I never have before. And it's doing a work in me. It's digging a well way down deep in my heart. And it's making me slow down and listen to people a little bit. Because there are people in this room and there are folks that you will meet at Walmart and at Kroger that are put on a nice face and they are battling stuff just like my sweet Dawn did. Whether it's a mental battle or it's a financial upset or it's a husband that's, that's gone astray or it's a marriage that is broken or a business that's died or a dream that no longer exists. People all around you are hurting and Jesus hung on the cross, endured all of that mess because there was joy that was set out in front of him awaiting him. Every day I say the words, I choose joy. Not because I'm so smart and that's original. I looked at this and this is what made me realize this. Jesus endured something far more than I will ever endure. And he did it because he knew there was a greater joy yet to be there. And look at this. He says he endured the cross disregarding the shame. I have to raise my head and go in God I trust and disregard the shame of people that are going to whisper in this community who doubt the relationship that I know that I had with my wife and that my kids had, worship the ground she walked on. Loved her, she loved them, we loved each other. And I just have to disregard, I just have to put it behind me, just have to not even deal with it. Because people, you know, people are just people. I never, somebody said, did you go over and say anything to him? I said, no, no, I, I left and prayed for him. God, help those people. They are ignorant. They don't know. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This morning, there are people in this room, you could justify holding a grudge, a hurt, a wound. And I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is calling you to that same place to say, Father, I release it. Let it go. They're ignorant. They don't know what they've done. And I'm not going to carry it the rest of my life. I choose joy. Look at this. One more verse. Verse 3. Think of all the hostility endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary. And what? Everybody say follow through. God has called us into this new year. It's going to be an amazing year. We've got a new redrawn set of blueprints. We've done a little slight square footage reduction. We are this close to getting this thing right in at our budget. And it's going to be a phenomenal year of victory at Victory Church this year in a new building before this year is over with. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. The amazing thing about a God who loves us so much and a God who is good, I sat with a friend who took me to lunch from Jonesboro week or two, ten days ago, and he said, how are you doing? And I said, I'm going to tell you, everything I believe has been on the altar. But I'll tell you one thing I know. So I'm going to say two things. This, God is good and God is great. Everything else may be up for grabs, but God is good and God is great. And when you learn to trust him in the middle of what you're going through, what's terrible in the wilderness can become great because he'll show up and change all of it. 
I had another couple of scriptures on here, but I'm not going to take time to look at them this morning. It was in Isaiah and Romans. Check that out at home. Do that in one of your devotional reading this week. But as they bring the lights down and Ben comes back, I'm just, just a little bit over and I'm going to try to wrap this up. Just want to say to you, no matter where you are, what you're facing, what you're going through, Jesus endured your mess, my mess, my sin, in order to see the promise of God come into my heart and my life, your life. I've said it before, you know, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. You, your face. When Jesus hung on the cross, the joy that was set before him was your face. Was seeing you come to a saving knowledge and a relationship with Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. There are no quick fixes. There are no formula Christianity where five steps and you can get right out of this. No, um, I will go home and right back into my reality. And it's a daily thing. God, I choose joy. Jesus, meet me in this. God, I can't do it today. I'm struggling. I need your strength. The Apostle Paul prayed over and over, God, deal with this thorn in my flesh. And the word of the Lord came and said, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. We love the strength of God when it shows up, but we don't want to be shown our weakness. Weakness in coming to Christ is bowing the knee and saying, God, I, I can't do this by myself. I'm bankrupt. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. That opportunity comes right now. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. You don't earn this. You don't deserve it. There's no merit to it. You don't get gold stars by your name for good deeds. The wages of sin is death, but the gift. God is giving you a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through. It comes through the agency, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've, everyone has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus endured that disregarding the shame. Everybody in the room has a past. Everybody in the room has something you hope nobody else ever finds out about. The easiest way to really put a line of demarcation between where you are and your past is to invite Jesus into your heart and say, God, I'm all in. Be Savior of my life. Be Lord of my life. Wherever you are right now, maybe you've already known the Lord for years and you just need a fresh start. Maybe you've never crossed the line of faith and said, Jesus, be my Savior, my Lord. Stay with me in this moment. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. If that